0: All right, and I'm going to go with the pursuit of happiness. Superman, fu- uh, what the hell? <laughs> I, I called him Superman Fike instead of Superfan Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is pretty
1: Superman. I will give you that.
0: Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the two and Out CFL Podcast. Every week, John, John Fraser. To me, if this isn't rock bottom for the Bombers, I don't know what is. And Travis Kura. Who would win between the world's fastest cow? CFL Rabbit or Brandon Banks will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League and nonsense. Bad pizza is better than good salad, right? It's true. It, it,
1: it really is, just like bad wings are, are better than most anything in the world.
0: Can't forget the nonsense. Ready, set, hook. Hu- Welcome to episode 45 of the Tune Out CFL podcast. While well, What a week of uh, football. John Fraser's off for the week. I'm Travis Curra, and joining me is uh, Empire Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast. Andrew, I have to ask you, (laughs) are you ready to be uh, John's angry replacement? (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, boy, did you pick the right week to ask me to do this? I tell you, <laughs> I am going to be fired up because, oh, my goodness, if it was green and gold this week, it generally sucked in the second <laughs> half of games and uh both in our fantasy game and also in the real game. So, uh, you know, fantasy imitates life. And fortunately, it's been a rough week. <laughs>
0: Now, of course, you are from the Eskimo Empire podcast uh, and you dish out Empire points. Like That's so cool. Like Nobody gets anything for listening to us. Like, you just listen <laughs> to two annoying guys and you, you can collect. The, it's like Pokemon. You can collect all these cool things and win prizes. Uh, <laughs> how many what? Empire points do I get by having you on the show?
1: <laughs> well, the, the really amazing thing to me at this particular moment is it took less than a minute for you to bring up Poke. <laughs> Man, so well done, and I'm going to call it Pokéman because I'm supposed to be Frasier for the whole time. So okay. we'll, we'll just go with Pokémans for now. Uh, you know the, the Empire Points idea. It's so funny because. Uh, When I was a kid, uh, my mom used to say, like, I would do something good and she'd go, oh, 10 points. And it was just kind of like a running joke. And so then the one time somebody sent me a tweet and it made me laugh and I'm like, oh, 10 Empire points. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, this is actually going to work out pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, so you know, we started this uh, fun little contest, and and of course, yeah, whenever we have somebody on the show, they get extra points. If they share the show, they get points. And at the end of the season, we we had some of the players in in the off season, and they all signed a football, and they've all signed wow. a bunch of pictures. And uh, so we're gonna give that away uh near the end of the season, and uh, and just to whoever kind of helped us out the most and and was able to share and and spread the word of the empire. So. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. You having me on here, yeah, I'm going to give an extra 50 for that for yeah. you. So you're, you're going your way. yeah.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So before we get underway, uh, just give us a little bit more history about the podcast. Uh, you started right around maybe the exact same week we did last, uh, last June. How did you decide to just start making a, an Edmonton Eskimos podcast?
1: Well, the cool thing is, is... I mean, I started listening to podcasts, oh, I want to say about seven years ago, and I was listening to a lot of the comedy ones, and, right. and then all of a sudden I found, oh, there's a, there's a BC Lions one, and, uh, so I started listening to The Lion's Den, and I love Brian and Mojo, and, and as I listened to it more, I thought, you know, I could probably do this on an Eskimo side. I, I, I mean, I'm, I don't claim to be nearly as smart as Brian or Mojo, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, I think that I, I like talking about the team and I like talking to people about it. And, um, so what I ended up doing, so we started right before training camp started last year in 2015. So. Talk about, uh, you know, lightning timing to yeah, get into the year right when we're going to be uh, having that type of a season. I mean, that that's just lucky. And uh, I, I've met Doug a while back. We were both in a, a contest to actually host a show on, on Shaw TV about the Eskimos. And Sweet. so we ended up, I ended up bringing him in and, and away we went. And, uh, of course the, uh, by about episode seven is, uh, when we finally got to introduce uncle Tim and, uh, the show basically <laughs> took off after that because I mean, who doesn't want to listen to UT? I mean, that's, uh, it's been pretty, pretty fun since then. And, uh, it's slowly grown and, and, you know, it, um, I, I love doing it every week. It's uh, as you know it. It's a lot of work, but it's a
0: work of passion and, and lots of fun. Awesome, awesome. Let's get right into the news. Uh, I guess first it is uh, getting waxed with Brazilian tie.
2: Hey, it's Brazilian tie back for you another edition of Getting Waxed here on the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Week five is come and gone, and we are officially a quarter of the way through the season. And every team has at least one win, and the road teams surprisingly have dominated early on in the year. Who knows if that will continue throughout the year, or if the record will return to the mean? But that being said, the certain road team had one hell of a second half this week. Hamilton Tiger Cats found themselves down 24 to 6 at the half in Edmonton on Saturday night. The Esmos added another touchdown early in the third quarter to go up 31-6. Now, in case you didn't know already, I bought season tickets in Edmonton this year and have made it to every game so far. Saturday night was a different story. Had to work late, which was no big deal. Enough for Saskatchewan with enough time to make it to Commonwealth before the end of the first half, and even make it to West of Us. But some genius decided that booking a home game during K-Days was a good idea, when the only sensible way to get to both K-Days and Commonwealth is the LRT. I had to drive around for half an hour to find a parking spot where I wouldn't get towed, and then run two blocks to make it to a train to get me to the game with 11 minutes left in the third quarter. showed up at the train station during the drive that ended in the John White rushing touchdown. But I digress. I texted Travis that making it for a half of football was better than nothing, and that this just might spark the comeback. And for that comment, I refuse to apologize to any Eskimo fan for what happened next. The next quarter and a half of football was something that I had never had the pleasure of witnessing live before. Four touchdowns in 16 minutes, 35 seconds, and a field goal to go up by six with 3.26 left from Brett Maher would put Hamilton up 37-31, and they were able to shut the door on the Eskimo's offense to seal the victory. In that second half, Jeremiah Masoli set the new single-game record for consecutive completions of 23, breaking a record that was held by Eskimo's head coach, Jason Moss, just to rub it in. Hamilton ended up with 281 offensive yards in the second half and held the Eskimos to the lone touchdown early in the third quarter. Easy to say the defense for Edmonton has to be better as they didn't have a sack in this game and didn't force a turnover, but it's a little tough when you have the roster and staff turnover that they did. Give them a break, Eskimos fans. There's really nowhere to go but up from this one. Or, you know, east, like everyone else did, but that's a different story. You can find me on Twitter at Brazilian underscore Ty, or maybe I'll even be on TV Thursday night considering I'll be wearing my Chris Walby jersey. Somebody catches that on TSN, I need a screenshot. Anyways, back to Travis and John wait, what do you mean John took holidays in the middle of the CFL season? That's ludicrous. Wait, who filled in? Oh man, Andrew? Really? Well, I guess you can't win them all, as he would know all too well from this past week. But back to Travis and Free Policious on the Two and Out CFL podcast. In the
0: huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two and Out Podcast. News is brought to you by Bomb Energy Drink. Make sure you follow them on Twitter at the Bomb Nation and uh tell them uh, to and out sent to you and you can actually buy their product online as well. I know Fraser has got that stuff hooked up to an IV. He loves that stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> the the bomb of the week I it's probably going to have to be uh the quarterback injuries. Uh, Trevor Harris and Ricky Ray both go down. There's been a lot of talk over the past few seasons on protecting quarterbacks and they're doing a lot to do it but you can't you can't prevent these freak injuries that just happen by accident I, I mean what else can be done well, I, I wish I knew it's crazy how many
1: times. I mean, how many times were we saying it last year? Here we're yeah. out more starting quarterbacks. And then we think, Oh, this year is going to be better, right? It was just a freak year last year. And now this year, here we've got Harris going down. We had Burris going down in the first game. Now we've got Ray going down and Durant going down and missing a couple of games. Just. It's unreal, and you don't know how you change it because it's so bizarre, these things that are going. It's not like they're done purposefully. I I don't get it.
0: It doesn't look like these are. I think last year, I don't know. Maybe maybe we saw more season-ending stuff last year. kolaros and Durant, and these ones seem to be. And I mean, a six-week injury is still significant, and that's what they say could be happening for Ricky Ray, three to six weeks. The sprained MCL. Uh, Trevor Harris, uh, Farhan Lalgie. He had tweeted, kind of probably looks like it might be the same timetable, but. Then Henry Burris looks like he's about ready to return as well. So that kind of works out for well, Ottawa. If they could just <laughs> rotate injuries, there will be no quarterback controversy there.
1: <laughs> That's a great way to get around it, isn't it? I mean, well, who's going to, well, you know, oh, Henry's getting better. Well, what do we do? Oh, well, Harris got hurt. Well, we're perfect. <laughs> then we can just put, on the other hand, what does that investment look like now in Ottawa? I mean, a brilliant move, I think, a lot of the time at the when the signing happened and a lot of us are going oh Harris is just going to take over and that's kind of you know it's going to cause a bunch of quarterback kerfuffle here now we see, I mean, it's it's brilliant. They're trading off and making that team still be amazing.
0: I mean, well, That's and, pretty, and at pretty the, good. At the same time, Toronto trades Mitchell Gale to Saskatchewan. He looked pretty good against Ottawa. Now we oh, don't yeah. know how uh, Kilgore is going to do uh, for Toronto now that Ray goes down. Now in the past, it, it seems like Ricky Ray, it, it, his career in Toronto has been riddled with injuries. I mean... Even the Grey Cup year, he he was hurt there. And uh, in 2014, he, he played most of the season there, but they sucked that year. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's going on here, but the last couple times he got hurt, there was Trevor Harris there last year. And then uh, the year before that, or a couple of years before that, it was uh, Zach Caleros. So... <laughs> They've been pretty lucky when it comes to backup quarterbacks. I don't know if Kilgore can do the same same thing. Uh, watching the game Monday night, it was very interesting to see the stats as far as uh, uh, the franchise passing leaders in Toronto. Ricky Ray is already second in touchdown passes. Did you find that surprising as I did?
1: Yeah, because you'd think he hasn't really been there for that yeah. long, and yet here he is racking it up. Now, I guess in if being an Eskimo fan and watching him for so many years, I really shouldn't be that surprised. Right. But it just seems drastic that he's already at number two. I mean, we I was looking at the stats on the Eskimos side, and Mike Riley is pushing into number seven very soon for touchdown passes in Eskimos history. And I even thought that. I'm like, really? That's surprising. But to hear Ricky was already up to two really surprised
0: me. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I heard that about Riley too. And same with Toronto. Both teams have such a rich history of... Uh, great success in Toronto's the oldest team in the CFL. You'd think that, man, maybe there was no offense a hundred years ago and they just ran the ball and <laughs> kicked Rouges nonstop. But I, I I mean, Doug Flutie isn't even, he's like fourth or fifth in Argo history. He didn't play there that long, really. But yes. Ray is, I guess, 18 touchdowns away from the all-time franchise lead in Toronto and he was only there from 2012 on, and had so many injuries as well. So I, it, it kind of blows my mind how this all works.
1: Well, it, it was crazy. And by the way, you don't have to remind me that he left in 2012. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I know. But, uh, <laughs> on the other hand, you know, the night, hindsight is 2020. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have uh, Michael Riley throwing the ball for us now. So I guess I shouldn't be too crabby about that but uh, <laughs> but it it is amazing to me in a matter of four years for injury late in years that he's pushing for number two when you you're talking about guys like you said uh matt um, matt dunnigan would even be yeah. in there he would play it in toronto uh, doug flutie you'd think that those guys would be way higher on that list and uh it's it's amazing to me but i mean ricky has always been the quiet guy that performs so well. And this is just showing that again, he's the quiet guy that we're all like, really? He's already there, but he's just an amazing player.
0: I think it just shows that there isn't really a, a big window of time for success for players in the league. The longevity really isn't a thing in football. And <laughs> it, especially in the CFL, there's so much turnover. And I think even more now than there was years ago, but Man, he's there for... I mean, if Mike Riley or somebody goes to Toronto and he plays there for six years, he'd be the best, you know?
1: <laughs> don't you say that. We already I'd, lost one to Toronto. I they, mean, come on. He's I, I don't.
0: Here. I don't think Ed would trade Riley to Toronto for Hiralahu. So... I- <laughs> I think. Thank God for that. I think oh. You're okay. Uh, there may be
1: a consideration if there might be a defensive back involved, but anyway, oh. we'll we'll get to that later. I'm sure. I, one yeah. thing I do want to say though is because I'm not worried in Toronto because I mean it's Milanovic, and if yeah. what you just said actually a little while ago proves that there's a good chance that you know anybody that steps in Kelgore or anyone else. Milanovic knows how to pick a quarterback and knows how to get him up to CFL speed I have a feeling that there may be a slight drop off but I don't think it's going to be very long before Kilgore is throwing just as well they wouldn't have moved Gale if they didn't think Kilgore was ready for the next chance so I think that it's going to be really interesting to watch but I have a feeling he'll do well
0: well watching that game in Toronto I think it's pretty it's a pretty good offense for uh, a young quarterback there, there's so many different I guess running backs like Coombs Dury and uh, Whitaker they give yeah. the, the quarterback some pretty easy targets if there's nothing down the field so uh for a young quarterback it's like hey I got nothing going on there's all, <laughs> there's all kinds of options to throw to there
1: yeah, and the only thing that, that is going to hurt there a little bit with uh, is Hazleton going down. Yeah. But, I mean, they have a, a lot of weapons that are quick, easy reads for him, and if they... You know, make that offense a little bit easier. Uh, I mean, again, we were going to talk about it, but look what Hamilton did—the short passes. Yeah. Next thing you know, a high percentage passes, and you got guys that can run the ball. This this can happen in Toronto, so I I think it'll be very interesting to watch. But I gotta say that I mean, if they pull out another quarterback, that would be ridiculous. Like yeah. Milanovic is going to have a quarterback on every team very soon. <laughs>
0: He developed the whole league.
1: (laughs) We'll just call him quarterback Milanovic forever because he just sets it all up.
0: As far as other injuries around the league, it looks like Durant is questionable this week. He's 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 practicing a little bit. We'll we'll see if he does play against Montreal. I'd say that's a pretty good uh, time that they can sit him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Pretty safe to say that, you know, why put him in if you don't have to on that one?
0: Yeah, probably. I think it's okay to rest him again. Uh, Burris maybe ready to return nick moore is done for the year uh, he tore his acl after a celebration uh, <laughs> now brutal. apparently apparently i heard that he was playing with a bummed knee and uh, like he had tweaked it either in training camp or in the first game or something and that uh that celebration was kind of like the, the the final straw like it was inevitable it was going to happen but it it it, it doesn't make it any less goofy. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. He's, he's done for the year. Uh, Geraldo Boldevine, Uh What is it, the Flying Dutchman? Is, is that what they call him? Uh,
1: <laughs> I believe so. But yeah. I know one thing for sure. Brian's really upset from BC Lions that you took him in the Fantasy League before he had a chance. <laughs> well, as, as, soon,
0: go. <laughs> as soon as more went down uh, in the CFL podcast Fantasy League, I went and picked him up. Nice and pick. he basically sent me a DM five minutes later. You bastard. <laughs> trade him to me. Trade him to me. And I, I kind of want to hold on to see what he does and maybe string Brian along a little bit there. And yeah.
1: you, you might get good value for that. Yeah, but I know. Not that your a- team needs any help,
0: you jerk. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway.
0: Yeah, we are 5-0. and oh. We're getting pretty lucky, though. We'll talk about that soon. Uh, Lamar Durant for the Calgary Stampeders may be returning this week. He had an ankle injury, and as far there's no injuries in this one. But Matt Nichols looks like he's going to start against Edmonton at quarterback for the Bombers instead of Drew Willie. How do you like your chances uh, this week? Now, a few weeks ago, I thought that this game for Winnipeg would kind of be a trap game for Edmonton. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. They're, they they got banged up against Calgary, pretty bad, and Edmonton has to be mad, right? They do, uh, or, or let me rephrase:
1: they better be. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but in my mind, what a brilliant move by O'Shea. You watch the game last week against Hamilton. You put the guy in that can throw the long ball. It's a brilliant move. I I, I think that Willie has had such a problem with throwing anything over seven yards. He has, that yeah. where. But if the Edmonton defense has shown that if you can throw anywhere from 8 to 15 yards, you win the game. So I personally think it's a brilliant move. I actually think Edmonton is in dire straits on this one I I don't think that this is going to be anywhere near an easy win and I don't care if you call revenge or whatever you want to say if they're mad but I think I still think it's actually a trap game because they could go in thinking oh well we're really upset about this last one and we've got to prove we're good and Nichols can just come out and go great 10 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards, win. (laughs) So this is, uh, if you've listened to, uh, when you listen to my show this week, um, for the first time, I didn't pick the Eskimos to win this week. I picked the Bombers to win, and I specifically did that based on this move because I just, unless we can score 60 points, that defense can't seem to stop a darn thing. And uh, I, I think Nichols coming in, it's the perfect move to be to be you know getting those little yards over 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 and away they go. So I I don't know. I think this is going to be an incredibly close game and and I, I my faith is wavering a bit just because of how bad that defense is.
0: Well, I don't think that Nichols is better than Drew Willie. I I don't know if it's a wash. I I, I <laughs> it, it, was, it was funny because they they put Nichols in and then the first drive is a touchdown. And then the next drive was the exact same stuff when Willie was in. (laughs) That's true. That's true. The first drive, everyone's like, oh, my God, we're saved. Winnipeg has their guy. And then the next drive, what, he gets sacked twice and – (laughs) <laughs> then it's it's a two and out so uh, I I think there's a lot of expectations on Matt Nichols here and maybe there's less pressure because they're they're in Edmonton and maybe he wants to get revenge on Edmonton for uh kicking him to the curb as well so yeah
1: absolutely and, <laughs> I, and I can see where that's happening I I, I do have to say I mean I, I like Matty Ice I think he's a great dude um now would I have him here and not franklin you're not on your life and uh <laughs> that's probably why I, I i mean he can be upset about that but let's look at the facts maddie i mean come on yeah. this is james franklin <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you're talking to you know a rather large fan of that guy so i would uh i would think that um he has a, he has something to prove sure but i also think that it I don't know. I just think that he could be a spark on that team. And I know that, yeah, you look and it looks like the same thing. But now that they have a whole week and they got a couple extra days than the Eskimos did to prepare for this game, I personally think I think it's brilliant. You name him the starter early, you give him all that time, and then you find a way to pick apart the defense that is got a lot of Swiss cheese in it at this moment.
0: Uh, let's get to a couple more news items before we recap uh, last week's games. There was a weird news story that came out saying that the Riders were blocked from signing a uh, National Football League defensive end, Greg Hardy. Now, this he's probably one of the most controversial players and. Football Right now he was in and out of court with domestic uh, violence accusations and he was part of the Carolina Panthers. They let him go. He was with the Cowboys. Now he's with no one. There's some NFL teams looking at him. But there was a story broken by Justin Dunk and Arash Madani today saying that he... Uh, or the riders were blocked by the CFL from adding Hardy to their NAG list. And then Chris Jones came out and says, yeah, we, we talked to him before training camp. They had like this six-hour conversation. We decided not to sign him. And then Paulo Senra, the director of communications for the CFL, also said, no, it was the riders that decided not to Place him on their neg list. So I don't know who to believe here. <laughs> well,
1: as seems to happen in a lot of these cases, we don't know where the actual truth lies, right? Like it, it's kind of funny because how many times have we had those types of stories where one party is saying, "Oh no, we're getting blocked," and the other team is saying, "No, no, we decided we're not going to." Or yeah,
0: uh, even, you know, it's
1: bizarre. But we've and- seen
0: a lot of that with Saskatchewan this year. Uh, with the- Jones and uh, Murphy because there was the two BC Lions players that there was that big controversy there and there's this I I feel like there's a lot of it going on with that regime they just keep denying whatever everybody else is saying
1: (laughs) exactly well well maybe they just didn't want to sign him because he didn't feel like retiring yet I mean that (laughs) could be a big issue
0: (laughs) that that is a. That's a great point, actually. Yeah,
1: I mean, he he still thinks he has something left in the tank. I mean, next year when he's ready to retire, the Riders will sign him right away and it'll be fine.
0: <laughs> you know what? I could see him signing with Montreal just because, you know. That he can join Montreal that circus. gets Montreal. He's an
1: NFL guy every year, and then doesn't do anything with him. Yeah, uh, yeah. he would
0: totally fit in in uh, Montreal. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sure they have cap space, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah they, yeah, they have tons of that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Once they fire Jim Pop, uh, just under nine hundred and fifty thousand Canadians watched the Riders and Red Blacks last week. Now these are typically post Labor Day ratings, where you start to see the games getting a million viewers uh we we've seen an increase on on ratings from a year ago uh very positive like double digit increases like 10 15% now how do we get more people in the stands uh, in edmonton they had 32,000 people in the stands i don't think that's a i think that's a great number there are a lot of teams that would some can't even fit that many in the stands. <laughs> so they would love to have that. Are, are you a little bit miffed about what's going on in Edmonton? Do you want to see that number get up to
1: 35K? I would like nothing less than to see it at 40K regularly. And that is. It's kind of one of my goals is to see that at forty k regularly because I remember when I used to go to the games in the late eighties and early nineties and there'd be fifty five thousand on a regular basis right. and it's just an amazing atmosphere to be in right it would be great to get to that point again but i'll I'll be you know I'll accept forty so I mean how we get more people out there? I mean, first step, obvious. It's obvious we have to do more Pokemon stuff, right? Because that <laughs> that drew in a lot. I'm sure. You know, sure, I thought but...
0: <laughs> thirty two thousand was a good number for an Eastern team uh, coming yeah, to Edmonton.
1: That's true. That's true. And and when I guess I'm a little. Um, jaded just because I've been here all my life, right? Yeah. So when you think about it, for me, 32,000 seems like a low number. But if I'm in BC, 32,000 seems amazeballs, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think that it's uh, it, it's kind of an interesting point. But I, I do have to give... The Eskimos credit in the fact that they are trying some of these different things, the, the, the Pokemon party things of trying to get more. They're bringing in acts like Flow Rida. They're, you know, doing more as far as trying to get towards tailgating and these types of things. And I think those are the kind of things that the aspect when you go to the stadium and it feels like you're just in another world that's a lot of fun. That's what is actually helping to bring more people out to the stadium.
0: I'm wondering if tickets are starting to get a little bit too expensive. Uh, We see it in the Grey Cup is a perfect example. We saw it in (laughs) Winnipeg (laughs) last year, which is a hotbed for CFL, especially on the Prairies. Now, I know their team isn't doing well, but you would have expected a Grey Cup to sell out. I think the prices were just way too much for it to sell out. It's just too crazy. I feel like if the whole stadium was about 250 bucks, no matter where you were, they would sell out instantly. Now, at BMO Field, they're crazy expensive again. I'm concerned it's not going to uh, sell out. We remember in uh, 2010, Commonwealth Stadium sold out like that day for the yeah. Grey Cup. I'm yeah. worried that... When the Grey Cup comes back to Edmonton, I I do assume the prices will be cheaper because of the bigger stadium, but I'm worried that it's not going to sell out as fast as it was just as soon as five years ago.
1: Well, I can see that, and yet on the other hand, if the prices are staying high for however many years before they get to Edmonton, and now all of a sudden they go down because of the number of seats that are available – it might actually make it sell out because I think there's a lot of people right now that aren't going because of the ticket pricing. And I think that if there is this, you know, even though I know it seems like a bit of a mirage, but if it comes all of a sudden now the pricing is better, you'd think they'd be more likely to go because, Hey, I haven't been able to go for three or four years because of pricing, but now these prices are reasonable. So I want to go. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. The pricing for Grey Cup tickets seems over the top. And it's it's starting to get to that point where the Grey Cup was a, a big production, a big time for all Canadians to have access to be going to a game. Yeah. And it's now being priced as if you need to be on the richer side to be able to go. and especially when you're in Toronto, which is pricey already, and you've got the travel to get there, and you've got the food and all those types of things, and now you're adding on the ticket pricing, which is even more expensive, That that's going to make it a lot harder to get where they want it to go. And uh, the, you see it even in the smaller... Uh, it's like a smaller scale now just for a regular game where the Eskimos are doing the, you know, $30 tickets. I hear, you know, BC had those $20 tickets at the beginning of the season. And they're trying to, they're obviously realizing that the pricing may be part of the problem. And I'm hoping that once they see kind of what happens when the tickets release for the Grey Cup, and I have a feeling they don't sell out within the first, you know, two days, <laughs> they yeah. might realize that... Well, let me rephrase that. It might actually be in the first sixty days, and then they realize, <laughs> oh, geez, maybe the the pricing is part of the problem.
0: And one thing I'm noticing in Edmonton, uh, the Save on Foods Family Huddle section that looks way more fuller this year than last year.
1: Oh, I totally agree. And well, twenty seven fifty for a ticket, right? Yeah. Uh, now I again I've been around a while. I remember when it was Sobeys tickets for eleven bucks. Wow! So <laughs> I mean, obviously it's it's changed a little. Now for your twenty seven fifty, are you getting more? Yeah, they're probably doing more at the stadium now than they ever did back when I was going. When I was going, uh, you know, as as a teenager, you. You rolled up to the stadium and you ran up to your seats and you hoped that they even had a halftime show, you know? Like, yeah. Was,
0: the dogs know, so, running around or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the super dogs. That was the highlight,
1: buddy. I mean, otherwise, there was lots of times where there wasn't even a half sh- halftime show. It would just yeah. be like, tweet. Okay, everybody just take a break for 15 minutes. And, and you didn't uh, even have
0: Twitter to use at that time. <laughs>
1: Exactly. We would had no West of us. We had no Twitter. What the heck did we what do What did at we half do? Time?
0: What did we do?
1: Oh, I have no idea. I can't even I can't even recall. I think I might have just taken a little nap so I'd be ready for the next half. <laughs> oh, well, it was a good time to go down and get popcorn.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's true. Now, yeah. getting more people in the stands. Now, this is a question I have for you. I said to you before the show that uh, as a neutral observer uh, in Edmonton, I've already gotten my money's worth as a uh, season ticket holder. This has been some of the most entertaining, and I know an Eskimo fan would say, "No, this is the most stressful football <laughs> I have yes. watched." But I am so damn entertained every game I've went to this year. Does that get people more in the stands than boring like seventeen to three wins? Or does it have to be a combination? I think it has to be a combination, but I, cause I
1: think there's, on one hand, yeah, I totally agree. Super exciting, right? Back yeah. and forth, high scoring, um, entertainment value right um now a little bit different if we're sitting here and we're you know four and oh and not two and two uh especially well heck even three and one where we should have been if uh we decided to play more than 35 minutes but (laughs) i can see where the excitement is it would uh, the one thing that I will say, though, especially because of where that second half was, it, the the bad taste at the end, it would have been better had it been reversed the other way. Right. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like if it was if we had gone down in the first half and then made the big comeback and it was exciting and it was all this types of things, I think you'd get more people going, oh, man, I got to watch this team. And. The the excitement factor for sure is there. I, all I will say though is that uh, I I have to double dose on blood pressure pills before I go to an Eskimo game right now because good lord I'm gonna fall fall down from the top stands one of these days. How's
0: 97 year old uh, UT doing?
1: Oh, he's just hanging in there by a thread. <laughs> I always have to look over and make sure that he's still, you know, sitting upright because I'm not entirely sure how he how he's going to do. But he he at the end of the game, he stands up and throws his hands in the air, and I figure ah, he's all right.
0: <laughs> all right, let's recap the games from last week. Time for the fantasy expose on the Two and Out podcast. All right, so before we start, I. W- we got to talk about the two and out, uh, not the two and out, but the uh, CFL podcast family fantasy league. And I was oh, yes. up against you, and we were both undefeated. Somebody was going to lose. I thought it was going to be me because going and into did I. <laughs> going into Monday's game, I had the Argo quarterbacks. You had Hazelton, and I was down what about thirty five, something like that. Yeah, thirty eight. You were down. Yeah. And then Hazelton gets injured in the first quarter and he yep. ends up returning but he left again i don't know if they were examining his ribs or his shoulder or uh what was going on there and then uh, the toronto quarterbacks end up scoring me four touchdowns now we're the last undefeated team in the league
1: <laughs> well as i said it uh, it just seems if it was green and gold this week in the second half of anything it was just gonna <laughs> the bed i i don't know what happened there I, I was as soon as I saw the tweet go by that said Hazelton took his gear off right away I'm like you have got to be kidding me really <laughs> I had 38 point lead and I ended up losing by three points <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's like twice in a week just kick a guy while he's down oh my goodness that was brutal I almost I mean, felt
0: bad I was like here have this win you know yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But like, I couldn't. Nice.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, on Sunday, Travis is like, "Oh, he'll be ticked off about the game, but at least he'll win fantasy." Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no, not that either. Nope. Not allowed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All brutal. right. Let's, let's move to the real games. Uh, Calgary and Winnipeg start things off. Calgary wins thirty-three to eighteen. I thought it was going to be here a trap game for Calgary to be honest, but I know they're awesome coming off the bye. So, Absolutely. Uh, I, yeah. th- they've now won 14 in a row after the bye, which is an incredible streak. I don't know how much longer that can uh, continue, but obviously Huffnagel in the past had them prepared. Dickinson had them prepared, but Huffnagel has the roster prepared because there was all kinds of issues and injuries, on, especially on the defensive line. So I thought that this week, hey, Perfect chance to get Andrew Harris going, get him rolling, uh, get him involved early. No I, I, no, I don't know where Calgary gets all these players nonstop. Well,
1: you know, one of the best things that they do, and this is a credit to Dave Dickinson, who has obviously continued on with this offense, they spread the ball so well and they maintain those drives, right? And you look at that Calgary D um, when the the D line is in there yeah, they they have a few injuries here and there, but the players just step up and yeah. it, it's amazing to me well, I guess it shouldn't be amazing, they keep doing it year to year, but the, the guys just come in and it's really almost like no drop off. Now, granted Winnipeg's play calling in that first half, ugh, that there's a little off (laughs) in my mind, (laughs) but, but, um, but I, I, it, they really put the pressure on and uh, I think what they did show uh, the same thing like the, the Eskimos, I think that's been their most successful game was against Winnipeg and that, that offensive line as well. And I just think they, they can't seem to give time to be able to get Andrew Harris, the ball and get him included in the game. And then of course, when they're not totally picking him, it doesn't uh, make it any easier, but yeah, Calgary has got some great rotation of just guys coming in that can just step up and run over guys.
0: It's just crazy. Bo Levi throws for three hundred and ten yards, and they don't have a one hundred yard receiver. Uh, their, yeah. le- their leading receiver, Anthony Parker, had seven catches for eighty one yards, and Marquay basically the same stats: seven catches for eighty yards. So I, they, they get they spread the ball around. You you don't know what they're doing. They mix it up so well. As for Winnipeg, Andrew Harris is on pace for his worst season. He. It's incredible to see how much they're really giving him the ball. They are giving him the ball a lot, <laughs> and he can't he 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 can't do anything with it. He's what he's our he, last game. He had two point eight yards per carry. That's not going to get it done.
1: That, that's not Andrew Harris that we know either, no. right? I, I I had said that the week before. Usually Andrew Harris is an Eskimo killer, and yet. It, really didn't have that big of a game and this week really even less of a game which is surprising you'd think that he would be jumping on now do you think it's just blocking that's causing the issue there or do you think that he has actually lost a step
0: i think it's the blocking and i think it's vanilla play calling oh it's- absolutely uh, La Police, I, I guess I expected, I mean, coming in, I think Bomber fans expected it too, to be his you know, creative genius that would uh, get this offense rolling. But h- how can you expect Drew Willie to succeed when Harris is getting 3.9 yards a carry uh, over the season? He's got no support. He's got no running game, and they're just running straight up the middle, and teams are prepared for it.
1: Well, absolutely,
0: and, and Harris just...
1: I don't know, is is it a, Frazier's not here, I kind of, I guess I can say that, but do you think it's a Winnipeg curse? I mean, (laughs) Harris goes in, he can't really play really well, Medlock goes in, doesn't look like the same kicker he has been for the last three years, like, I I don't know why the changes you'd think that, totally on paper, you'd think this team would be at least two and two, maybe three and one, really.
0: Yeah, and Dressler, he he has his best game, his uh, breakout game, and he's not one of those guys that seems to get a little frustrated, but you could tell he was getting mad about that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, actually, when he had that one catch, and then he turned around and basically threw the ball down and, and just was marching back to the... like. There was no celebration. There was no... Hey, I I've, I've got one. It was just like, yeah, well, whatever. Like yeah. that that was totally the feel that I got. And and that is bizarre because usually he's been such a spark plug yeah. uh, it, for for offense, right? To get people going and then obviously drawing a lot of coverage which keeps other guys open and he's just not in that zone right now at all.
0: No, he played well. He had 15 targets, 12 catches, 118 yards. So he did his job uh, for sure. But uh, they, they can't get it done uh, against Calgary. And uh, we'll see what happens against uh, Edmonton. Well, we'll move on to Friday night. Who would have thought that a battle of the backups could have such a good game. <laughs> but, like It was actually a pretty entertaining game to watch. Uh, Trevor Harris is only out there for three passing attempts before hurting his knee, but Brock Jensen comes in. He does okay, 20 of 29, 271, two touchdowns, no picks, and Mitchell Gale does okay as well. His p- completion percentage wasn't the best. Uh, he only had 58.3% completed, but he throws for 354 yards gets a touchdown, gets a win in his first game. And then after the game, I think all I saw was people complaining about the refing. Now, you are yeah. a neutral observer here. What did you think about the officiating? I honestly didn't think it was that bad, as bad as people were making it. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, I guess, <laughs> I guess I, people were... And maybe the way I'm looking at it is this. Ottawa fans thought they got screwed without uh, uh, that that Chris Williams call. But why did Justin Cox get called for uh, unsportsmanlike conduct when he just signaled an incomplete Incomplete pass? pass. And then the Zach Evans uh, roughing the passer. I, I guess I thought roughing the passer was any contact with the quarterback's head. And yep. he contacted the quarterback's head, so he, he he didn't get a penalty. And this was challenged, and this was reviewed for minutes at a time. But I I thought it wasn't horrible. I didn't. I guess what I'm saying is I didn't think the refing decided the game in any way. Okay, well, <laughs> I had I do to pause think,
1: for a minute to think about that because my brain needed to catch up to what you just said.
0: Do, do you know what I, I mean? I, I don't think it was what decided the game. It, it was, I mean... <laughs> I, I think it played a big role. I don't think it decided
1: the game, but I think it played a big role. Now, as a neutral observer, like you said, I watched a majority of it and it, the worst part for me was that there was there was just no consistency and it was for both teams both right. teams had crappy calls against them and both teams had calls that should have gone against them that didn't happen and i think the the crazy part of it all and you actually referred to it already the two separate plays that were roughing the passer that were both reviewed that looked eerily identical. Yeah. <laughs> and one gets called and the other one doesn't. And it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And then the defensive pass interference at the end of the game, the flag on Kane probably yeah, never and, should have yeah. been thrown, but then gets challenged and it's and they say it is, which is crazy. And then on the next set of downs That was definitely a pass interference on Chris Williams and no call. And I just, and I've talked to a bunch of Ryder fans about it, saying, like, really, like, those, the inconsistency both ways was ridiculous. And, and they agreed that I, it was just the part of the officiating that was so frustrating. And I think it, like I said, I think it played a role in the game because, Honestly, the players didn't know what they could and couldn't do because the calls were so blatantly inconsistent. It was bizarre, and I think that there. So it plays a role in the fact that there it was involved the whole time. Uh, did it decide the game? No, but did it actually affect the game in a pretty major way? I think so as a fan, and I couldn't believe how some of those calls went both ways. That that throat slash supposedly won. What, yeah. Was absolute ridiculous. Like that, that's just downright stupid. Well, There's I do no think, way it should have been called.
0: I, I do think Roosevelt embellished. It It looked like a soccer dive, and then it ended <laughs> just up, a
1: touch. It, yeah. And then
0: it ended up getting a, a flag. But I mean, Ottawa has two kicks blocked. That's why they didn't win the game <laughs> when when the other but team they blocked, were so close I know I mean, they, they only lost by one it was thirty to twenty nine saskatchewan and, and I mean if you get two kicks blocked, you usually don't win
1: yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and <laughs> no i I agree that the i mean turnovers obviously pla like i said there's a lot of things that played into the game, but in the fourth quarter alone, how many calls were made that were wrong? Right, right. And, and that's why people are so upset, right? Because I think as a group of fans, and I'm talking fans from every team, not just Saskatchewan and Ottawa. I'm talking every team across the league. As a group of fans, we just want it to be better. We just want it to be consistent. We just want it to be it doesn't matter what team is playing that the call is what you believe the call should be. And it it should be more often than not the exception to the rule where everyone goes, well, I don't really know about that one. Instead of every call that's made seems wrong.
0: Would you agree that the refing's better than last year? Because I think it's a mile miles better. That the
1: refing is better this year? Yeah. No. You you think... (laughs) It it depends on the crew. I will say that. It depends on the crew because... I I think
0: last year was much more frustrating to watch. Way more frustrating. And to this point this year, especially
1: with some of the calls that have been going through the command center and then coming back as still being... DPI or OPI or whatever I I mean does anybody honestly know what defensive pass interference is anymore? I don't think anybody does. I don't think anybody has any clue what actual defensive pass interference is because at one point they're going to call the the weakest play ever and on the next one they're going to say the the guy, you know, the 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 feet get tangled, oh but it's not it's not defensive pass interference. It's I just don't think there's any consistency. That's what I'm finding. Now, as far as overall calls, uh, yeah, see, I looked at a stat today that kind of blew my mind, and one of them was that the challenges have gone way up, which we expected was going to happen, right? 1.72, I think, was the number per game. And 48% of calls are getting overturned. Whereas last year, over the whole year, it was 24%. That is significantly worse. That tells me that the officials are having a very hard time because... They're constantly being watched. We talked about it on our show this week in that I think the officials are almost second-guessing. Do I throw a flag? Do I not? Because everything is getting challenged.
0: And and I think there's only so many things that they can watch at once. And a a coach... Uh, for Saskatchewan is gonna be keeping an eye on a different thing than the ref he might be watching I mean he, he doesn't have four sets of eyeballs on his head so he, <laughs> he he can't see see it all so the fact that they can challenge absolutely everything may be something they need to look at here I have more an issue with that than the officiating I feel like for the most part defensive backs have figured out the new rules last year i, I I'd have to see the stats. I I guess I just feel like there was way more pass interference last year. Maybe this year they have an issue with consistency. Uh, Yes. Because there was a questionable one in the Eskimos game as well. We'll just quickly talk about the stats in this one. Naaman Roosevelt, I guess he's got uh, pretty good chemistry with both quarterbacks in Saskatchewan. Eight catches, 182 yards, a touchdown. And then... It yeah, seems... and forty
1: points for me on fantasy that went to waste.
0: I do need to say that. Did you? Yeah, you lost anyway. So <laughs> no. And, oh, and I on. have Chris Williams who had one catch for fourteen yards. <laughs> that's where I'm like, oh, I'm screwed. How can I win with that? But <laughs> exactly. Then you'd think, hey, Greg Ellings- Ellingson may be the guy to step up. Nope, three catches, twenty-one. Brad Sinopoli, five catches, one hundred and fifty-six yards and two touchdowns. It's obvious that Chris Jones. Uh, wanted to shut down Chris Williams, they succeeded, wanted to shut down Greg Ellingson, they succeeded. You can't shut down everyone, apparently.
1: <laughs> no, and uh, and and a great lesson to be learned. If you are playing against Ottawa, you try to cover one guy; it'll go to the other. You try to cover him; it'll go to a third. If you try to cover the third, so Ernest Jackson is up next week, right? Everybody's got him in fantasy yeah. because he's gonna be he's gonna run over the field, right?
0: Yeah, there goes the rotation. And you're calling it, <laughs> Ernest Jackson. That's uh, right.
1: I'm calling it right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> next week. Now let's. I know this is a painful subject for you. Uh, the the Eskimos' game, uh, the, the the Tiger Cats end up scoring what thirty one unanswered points to come back. They were down thirty one to six. They win thirty seven thirty one. Uh, to me, this is what the CFL is all about. Uh, the clock rules in the National Football League probably probably would have prevented this from happening, uh, yeah. but the the fact is. After uh, Edmonton got their last touchdown, they got like 2.8 yards per play. Uh, So the offense stalled as well. Quickly talk about the stats before we get into the uh, intricacies, if you want to call it. (laughs) You uh, mean the emotional
1: part? Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Mike Riley continues to be uh, incredible. Uh, 354 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, you know what you get in Edmonton as far as the receivers go. Darrell Walker, 12 for 140. Bowman, 9 for 111. They both have a touchdown. By the way, I think Bowman is actually, I don't know if this is possible, he's better this year than last year. He's not dropping as many balls. I think he only has one drop. Yeah, he uh, that's all that I've seen
1: to this point, and Bowman is playing on fire and uh, I mean he's really trying to carry a lot of the team and it's amazing so, I mean he's amazing to watch I, I, I still think I, I still have wonderful flashbacks to that catch in Winnipeg where he just leapt up and grabbed that with two hands and it was unreal and to see him thriving the way we know he could it's just awesome right yeah. so hey one drop we'll take it.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, on the Hamilton side of the ball, uh, oh, man, Jeremiah Mazzoli sets a CFL record: twenty-three consecutive uh, completed passes. By the way, Jason Moss, the yeah, previous record out the
1: coat, uh, Yeah, just keep rubbing it in. That's right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> stats, stats first. Yeah,
0: <laughs> three ninety-one uh, yardage there, uh, three touchdowns. See, I find it interesting with the running backs this year. A lot of running backs just aren't getting touches. At all. Uh, Eight carries for Gable, eight catches for White, but both of these offenses obviously getting it done in this one. Uh, Luke Tasker, 11 catches, 146. Andy Fantuz, two touchdowns, six catches, 80 yards. It kind of seems like a resurgence for him, and this one is interesting to me. Uh, Brandon Banks, three catches, 64 yards, and it seemed like in the first quarter of the game, or first half, Edmonton really had Banks limited. Uh, yep. th- they weren't kicking to him. They were kicking to Gable. And then all of a sudden, uh, I noticed there was uh, a big punt return from Banks. He had a 36-yarder at one point. And Shaw went to the sideline, slammed his helmet down. So they they got to a point where they couldn't eliminate Banks from the game anymore. And they brought him in an offense as well. And when Banks was on the field... He was wide. I, I I feel like when your coach makes the call, and you see number sixteen on the field, screw what your coach says. You have okay. to keep banks well, covered. Uh,
1: why wasn't anyone covered? Let's yeah. let's be honest here, Travis. I mean, oh my God, could it be any worse? Like I I, I specifically went through on on my show and did the. Um, definition of defense and how it's supposed to be you know protecting something you know it's actually supposed to be resistance against the attack this oh they they couldn't they couldn't defend anything like absolutely nothing it was brutal i i Let's talk. You talked about Luke Tasker and how he had 11 catches. One of the things that drove me nuts, he had 11 targets and 11 catches. Yeah. You would think after he caught catch six or seven, you might put a guy on him. Like just maybe put a guy within eight yards, something, because all of our guys were at least nine yards away from anybody that would catch the ball. It was unreal how badly that zone was played and how soft that zone was played. I can understand at the beginning, you play a soft zone, you give them a little space, they got a little bit of time, big freaking deal, right? But when they score the second touchdown, man, the f*** <laughs> up. Get there and actually stick to a guy. like It, it was embarrassing to watch because... Banks, Tasker, Owens were left wide open and th- they were already getting another eight yards before an Eskimo was even near them to tackle. It it was atrocious. And one of the interesting facts that came up was in the first half, the Eskimos blitzed or sent uh, more than five guys uh, five times and obviously had a little bit of success with that. Now, granted, the (laughs) offense did play much better, and obviously they ran, you know, they had long drives, and that was super important to making sure that the defense isn't on the field, which sounds so bizarre for me to say as an Eskimo fan. On the other hand, in the second half, they threw more than five guys coming over the line 15 times, and guess what that meant? There was always a guy wide Open because they never got to Mazzoli. And if you're going to throw guys like that, you better get to the damn quarterback or this is what's going to happen. And it was atrocious to watch how far back they were pushing instead of getting up and actually giving some guys a little bit of rough go. They they weren't even touching him in the first five yards where you're actually allowed to touch him. It it, it was uh, a complete and total breakdown and i swear right at this moment that a high school team could put 30 points up on this defense it's unreal
0: it looks like they're giving up well they are giving up 387 and a half yards per game through the year air that's the worst in the league this is a honest question i'm not trying to insult your team (laughs) is this the worst eskimo defense ever yes at this particular
1: so moment, I would say yes. Because even when we were four and fourteen three years ago, that defense was still good.
0: It was and the,
1: the problem was is that the offense couldn't do anything, and then the defense would get tired and then we would lose by a few points. Right. This year, this is the third time that the offense has put up more than 30 points, and we only won one of those games. To me, that is downright ridiculous. It is it's an abomination, and I don't care if you have a new coach and a new, new players and there's a bunch of stuff you've got to figure out. I understand that there's going to be some bumps and bruises, but come on, guys, really? Your offense puts thirty points up, and you can't win a game. That's ridiculous. That that's so far from the Eskimo way that it was. That was our bragging point even last year, right? We had one of the best defenses in the league, and to go from this is this is going from you know first to worst in the terribly wrong way. <laughs> and now from, uh, from I think from we where? just we had better we had more expect, expectations for them.
0: From where you're watching, is the defensive line getting it done? No. No, they're not getting pressure.
1: One of the things that uh, I noticed um, with that front four, because I think the front four is very talented.
0: They are, yeah.
1: I think one of the things that's happening, though, is that they're being limited by scheme. They're doing nothing but bull rush. There's not a guy coming around and coming up the middle. The one time they did that was in Winnipeg, and Odell got a sack. And since then, it's like just rush up the field, rush up the field, rush... Well, when do you pull a stunt? When do you pull one guy dropping back and, and throw in a linebacker? When do you actually have you know, see, well move around to the outside and come around. When do you do anything different that would actually put pressure on the quarterback? And right now they're just not doing it. And I don't think it's solely because of talent. I I think it's just because they're, they're not saying we'll try something different And uh, I don't know if you heard, but today in practice, Odell Willis went down. And so there's a question mark on how healthy he's going to be now for Thursday's game. And that's the last thing this defense needs is another guy gone.
0: Uh, the Bombers are giving up 445 yards uh, against their defense per game. Uh, the Eskimos giving up 417. The difference here is that the Eskimos are only giving up 52 yards per game on the ground. The Bombers are giving up 100. That tells me th- this is crazy here because the Bombers actually tied for the league uh, for turnovers. Their, their defense has forced 14. 14 turnovers, and I yeah. saw Blue Bomber talk post that they've only gotten 14 points off of those turnovers. That, that is insane to me. So I think the bomber defense just gets tired. They're, they're on the field nonstop. As for the Eskimos, I, I think that they can control their destiny a little bit, and they're just not. So I,
1: I agree. Well, and I think that I think the biggest thing is, and this happened against Hamilton, is that Hamilton's defense stepped up. They started throwing pressure at Riley in that second half. And our offensive line for the first time this year looked less than human and, uh, and a lot got through. And part of that, I think, is because Sorensen got hurt and that definitely hurts us in a big way. But it was interesting how that changed so much because as soon as the offense doesn't have those extended drives the we just we just can't leave our defense out it's just you just can't do it <laughs> not yeah. not if you expect to win well i mean maybe you could do it if for, if somehow we got 60 points and then you could say okay <laughs> maybe we'll win but we'll win 60 to 58 <laughs>
0: but, yeah no. it was a rough one for Eskimo fans, and uh, they have Winnipeg this Thursday. So let's talk Monday Night Football quickly. Uh, the Argos end up beating the Alouettes here. It was it was a close game until uh, T.J. Heath had the pick six there. And yep. uh, they seem to pull away at that point, but four touchdown passes for Argo quarterbacks. Cody Fiardo ends up going one for one, four yards and a touchdown. Look at that!
1: That's a that, that's, that's <laughs> a pretty impressive stat, eh? I tell but, yeah. you, put but that Ricky on Ray. your Facebook profile, buddy. That was that was well done,
0: <laughs> Ricky Ray. I thought he looked good. He goes 29 for 34. Uh 235 uh yardage, uh three touchdowns, but the long is only 17. So he's not forcing the ball down the field. He that long pass or the 17-yarder was a beautiful touchdown to Kenny Shaw who has nine catches 86 yards it's funny going into the year we're like who's gonna emerge out of the big three elliot Gurley, and hazelton it was hazelton but yep. in this game it was shaw and all three of them might be not playing this week <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and that, that really sucks i even said last week i thought that shaw was a great fantasy pickup and boy was he ever and uh, i i just think that he is uh uh I thought he was going to be a, a great receiver and now all these injuries again it's it's craziness. Yeah.
0: That catch he made where his head fell off was oh that, I don't was, know
1: that, you... that was a that was a CFL moment wasn't it where all of us in the words of UT we all stood and clapped. <laughs> and I don't care which team you cheered for you stood up and clapped. That was unreal.
0: Yeah, no, no fear. Just leaves his feet and gets absolutely crushed and hangs onto the ball. Uh, that was a pretty good one. One note on the Argos. Uh, Brandon Whitaker, it seems like he leaves the field every second play. Uh, he's got something going on with his calf or his ankle or something like that. But he's getting fourteen over 14 touches a game. He's kind of having a resurgence. There was a while there he had those injuries with Montreal where I thought he was done. and. I I have really enjoyed uh, watching him this year. He's doing okay. As for Montreal, I mean, you have Deron Carter, 6 for 124, uh, a touchdown. Nick Lewis, it's fun to watch Nick out there uh, doing well. Eight <laughs> catches, 81 yards. I think he surpassed his 900th reception, so he's still crushing people out there. <laughs>
1: He is, he is catching the ball and running people over. He's been in, doing in this it one, for a lot of years. Holy cow!
0: Yeah, <laughs> in this one the kickers were horrid. Yeah, uh, <laughs> nobody could, nobody
1: wanted to get through the uprights just for fun, right? Actually, we just wanted to get it close.
0: Neither of them even got a field goal. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I, trust, trust me, I had Liram who I oh, understand no. that. I he did so well the week before. I thought, oh, maybe he's gonna. Nope. Nope, not going to do it. Yeah. He really liked wide left.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was cool to see Andre Dury. He had a great game. Four rushes for 27 yards and four catches for 13 yards. But nothing really exciting out of this one. I don't know when Duran Carter... uh, How long is he going to appeal that suspension? Like, get that done already. Yeah, I, I agree
1: because it's so many times you see him catch a touchdown and you think... I don't even know if you should be playing. Like, this doesn't... Can we just get this dealt with and over? I mean, pretty obvious you don't have a concussion. I mean... I couldn't catch a ball. Well, I couldn't catch a ball with that, without a concussion (laughs) with one, there'd be no way in hell. But, uh, you know, one thing I do want to say about Toronto though, they're one of the few teams that I'm noticing this year is actually using run and pass. They are. Yeah. I do give them credit for that. I I think that, uh, out of all of most of the teams this year, like you said before, we're not seeing a lot of running and, I think it takes a bit away from the game. One of the things that, and we were talking about officiating earlier, do you think that part of that might be because they're just throwing it up and looking for that DPI call?
0: And last, early last year, I said, why don't teams just do that?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I yeah mean, just start throwing it up, and this is what's going on.
0: It, yeah, and this year, the top... Uh, Rushing teams, I think you can guess. It's going to be Ottawa, B.C., Calgary, and uh, Toronto. And then there's a steep drop-off after that. I mean, Saskatchewan, they're rushing games non-existent. But... It's been a change for Ottawa. They bring in Grigsby. They're giving him the ball a lot. They were giving Trayvon Van the ball uh, a lot, and they've never really had a rushing game. And maybe that's what's helping them out this year uh, with their passing game because they, ever since the franchise was back, they haven't. They had Siobhan Walker who'd get like half a yard of carry, and just <laughs> he was brutal with the ball. So it, it seems like rushing is. Uh, the CFL's always been called a passing league but rushing more than ever is almost a lost art. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And we have great
0: talented
1: running backs and well, I know that was always exciting for me when they can tear off a big run. Yeah. And I think the, I think that balance needs to come back and and i know you know we're we're talking about a bunch of these teams that weren't doing so well and and part of that is is that they're not really giving the defenses a lot of things to look at the defense is like oh they're gonna throw let's just pin our ears back and go there's no honesty on you're keeping that defense honest so i'd love to see more running from everyone
0: as for uh, DraftKings this week, I am. Uh, I started writing a weekly piece for the Grueling Truth dot net, so uh, check that out. A couple uh, names I like this week. I'm actually going to start Matt Nichols against the Eskimos defense. <laughs> <laughs> you know what?
1: That is a also a brilliant move. I, Why uh, not? <laughs> I, I, and he comes re- reasonably cheap. I can't say I, I blame you. I, uh, I you know, I, I did pretty well in the TSN fantasy last week, and I think it was because I just picked whoever was playing against Montreal. I'm going to stick with that. I think I'm going with Gale again because I have a feeling he might, uh, if, if he's playing, uh, I think he might be able to, to light up that uh, Montreal D a bit.
0: Yeah, so saving the money at quarterback, I was able to load my lineup. I, I, I got Nick Grigsby in there as well because uh, he's getting the ball a lot, actually, yeah. uh, in, in Ottawa. And then I was able to fill it out with Adarius Bowman, Naaman Roosevelt, and Weston Dressler. So oh this my. is the week.
1: Well done. This is the week
0: <laughs> <laughs> where I, I can hopefully uh, do well. As for CFL, pick em. That, my friend. Is a crapshoot, oh it,
1: it's just a, it's just it's just throw a loony and hope for the best. At this point, uh, I mean, there's no. I I got no. I was saying that I don't think what I know. You listen to my podcast and you enjoy yep. it, but whatever you do, don't take any of my advice as far as how the games are going to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brutal. I think I went two and two last week, so
0: I, I went one and three. Uh, this week is even harder. So let's oh, yeah. do it. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2-and-out CFL. All right, I don't think I've went 0-4 this year. I think I probably went 0-8 at one point last year. So uh, we start Thursday night football, Eskimos and Bombers. Are you Are you picking Winnipeg?
1: yeah I am. I'm picking Winnipeg to win this game I, that that defense has shown that they can't stop the long ball. Maddie is pretty good at throwing the long ball and uh, I, I just think one of the one of the things I guess that, that it's not solely based on that defense, but I think the the bomber defense, is better than what their record is. I think the Bomber defense is actually pretty good. Now, granted, their secondary is going through some nasty injury issues yeah. at this particular moment, and we all know that Mike Riley could be looking at that and going, ooh yay! But um, they have to be able to keep him upright, and our offensive line now with with Sorensen going down is, is going to be a little bit more challenged. And... I, I've i said it before. I'm going to say it again. If that offense doesn't stay on the field, th- there's no way we, we win this game. So uh, I'm and, and if nothing else, then I'll be happy either way. I'm either going to win pick them, or my team is finally going to pull out a win like they should be. So it, I'm, I'm picking Winnipeg in this game.
0: It's funny because the last time they played, I thought it was going to be a shootout and then it was only 20 to 16. Yeah, uh, well, it, they they
1: they they're the one defense in the league that's kept the Eskimos to under 30 points.
0: Yeah, and I mean Riley still threw for what 465 yards in yeah, that game.
1: Exactly. So he's so he's a fantastic fantasy pickup, but not yeah. good if you're an Eskimo fan. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going Eskimos in this one. I I the Bombers uh and too many issues I think on the road. When's the last time they won in Commonwealth? It's been a long time, hasn't it? I
1: think it's 2008 if I remember yeah. correctly.
0: I think that streak continues. <laughs> oh, do we get uh, to
1: pick songs? Do we get to pick songs?
0: I guess. Uh, who do you want to play from Winnipeg?
1: Uh, well, I, I, I really liked your choice last week. I think I'm going to go with One in a Million by
0: The Watchmen again. All right. And I'm going to go with The Pursuit of Happiness. Superman. Fu- uh, what the hell? <laughs> I I called him Superman Fike instead of Superfan Mike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he is pretty Superman. I will give you that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he brought to my attention that uh, the pursuit of happiness is actually from Edmonton, so they we're sure gonna rock are. some of that for the Eskimos. <laughs> It's a doubleheader. Friday Night Football. Riders in Montreal. That might be the difference in this game. They always seem to have uh, issues in Montreal. Uh, Who do you got in this one?
1: Uh, This one, I've got the Riders coming out uh, on the other side of positive. I mean... If we're going to have Montreal, I think we need to have circus music in the background. I think it's very important. It's what it is. It's, It's unreal how... I mean, did... Now, Jim Pop, I don't think he did any totally unreasonable challenges last week, but you know, last
0: one was actually okay. Yeah, but week.
1: I mean, but now he's due, right? So yeah. <laughs> he should throw. He should throw. You know, five when he only has two in the first half, right? That's what's going to happen. Something like that. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I think Saskatchewan runs this. I, I, Saskatchewan's defense is getting better and better and better and better as we expected it would. Aguavin um, looks like he's the real. Deal. And uh, I have a feeling he is going to be having a field day uh, out in Montreal. I, I I see Saskatchewan taking this one down for sure.
0: I'm going Riders as well, coming off the positives from last week. Now, what should we play from Saskatchewan? I'm kind of thinking uh, some Queen City kids. Ooh, nice! I'll take uh, that for sure. All right, let's play dance. <laughs> Now, the second half of the doubleheader, I think this is tough. Calgary home to the BC Lions. Hardest game to pick all week. Yeah, I I agree. Who do you
1: have? Uh, I am going to pick Calgary. And I think it's going to be by a very, very slim margin. Uh, I see this one going down as a, a little more of a defensive battle between these two. But I, I think Calgary at home, and I know that sounds funny being that home means nothing this year, yeah. but I I'd still think that Calgary's a little sore about losing that first game against BC. Uh, they are playing at home. They will. The fans will be fired up. They are playing very well right now. And obviously, Bo Levi, as we said before, is spreading the ball so well to uh, every type of receiver. I, I, think, I think Calgary pulls this one off. I think you're going to see a lot of Messam. And I think that you're going to have uh, a lot of uh, Marquay McDaniel once again down the field.
0: I do think uh, that uh, Jonathan Jennings uh, coming off of the game against Saskatchewan. I know they were on bye last week. Uh, He should have that confidence up. Maybe Wally had that extra week on bye to get the Lions really prepared to go into Calgary and steal a game. I'm going Lions uh, to steal a game from them. As for music from Calgary. Oh, man. Uh, Isn't it the dudes? Don't we usually do the dudes? That that is we play. That is what we play. All right, uh, but let's let's apparently play. Apparently, <laughs> apparently. Loverboy is also from Calgary.
1: No way. I didn't know that. Well, Loverboy um, it is
0: then. Let's go. <laughs> Everybody's working for the weekend? Beauty. And for BC, uh, so many options. This week, let's play Bryan Adams. All right, Sunday night football. Look at the Argos. It's taking all those primetime slots away from the National Football League. Uh, First Monday night football, now the Sunday nighter. Uh, Doesn't get much better than that, although this game is in Ottawa. It is uh, Red Blacks and Argos. It looks like maybe Henry Burris is going to be back behind center for the Red Blacks. And uh, Logan Kilgore will be starting for the Argos, so I have to go Ottawa here.
1: Yeah, I I do too. I've I've got to go Ottawa in this one. I think honestly even if it uh, wasn't Burris and uh, and they were putting in Jensen, I still think Ottawa has more weapons than Toronto right now and I I especially at home, they've been away from home for a long time and again I know this year that seems to mean nothing, but in Ottawa, that passionate fan base is going to be going nuts to have them back here, and uh, I I think they they pushed through and and beat through Toronto.
0: All right. I'm going to pick Ottawa as well. Now, we've been playing Alanis in uh, the past, but apparently the five-man electrical band. Oh, that's a new one. I'll take it. Apparently they formed in Ottawa, so... How about we do signs? An all time classic. Beautiful. I love it.
2: So I took off my hat and said, Imagine that.
1: It's UT era music. I know, but he, and you know what? He'll be so fired up to have heard that. It'll be great. It's almost like uh, Black Keys for him. It'll be right up there.
0: Awesome, Andrew. Thanks for uh, filling in for Angry John. You didn't get too angry.
1: No, I, a, a little. I think we got one or two Angry Elks in there. That's that's really all that I need to do.
0: Yeah. Three. Three by my mental count. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I, I might have just... Got, got ahead of myself at a certain <laughs> point, yeah.
0: Awesome. I'm, I'm sure it
1: deserved at least ten, but three is good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Tell me where we can find the podcast and more of you. Oh, absolutely.
1: The uh, podcast is on all the regular spots, uh, iTunes, uh, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and, of course, direct uh, download that we put out on our Twitter feed, which you can find at EskEmpirePod, E-S-K-E-M-P-I-R-E-P-O-D. And, of course, we are. I have a Facebook page under Eskimo Empire Podcast and the Instagram and all those things. And if you want to just follow me just for a lot of fun, uh, I'm at Freepalicious on Twitter.
0: All right, that is episode forty-five of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Follow, like on Facebook, uh, Twitter as well. Two and Out CFL, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Fraser will be back next week, and we'll talk to you then.